A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. We're going to be talking about what I think is an infringement, not necessarily of our right to keep and bear arms, but uh, of our ability to pursue justice against unconstitutional infringements on our right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, there's a, a new law in effect in Illinois that, uh, well, some lawmakers are calling tyranny. And I got to say, I, I don't disagree. Uh, this is as close as I've seen uh, to the intolerable acts of the uh, British government in the uh, 1770s uh, directed against U.S. citizens in 21st century America. Again, the, the, the most egregious example of this that I've run across. Uh, we're going to get to this in just a moment, but before we do, I know you guys have definitely noticed the U.S. dollar continues to buy less, right? Well, last year, the average IRA and 401k balance fell by more than 20%. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that anything can and will happen. Here's something that may help. A gold IRA. Gold may be a great option for you. That's right. Physical gold in your IRA. Many central banks are buying tons right now. What does that tell you? Augusta Precious Metals is a gold IRA company that offers its customers the opportunity to invest in gold. You can call Augusta Precious Metals and learn how a gold IRA can help you. If you've saved 100000 or more for retirement, call Augusta Precious Metals and get their free ultimate guide to gold IRAs. Tell them you heard it here on our show, and they'll give you a free gold coin when you open a gold IRA, contact Augusta Precious Metals and diversify your retirement today. Call 855-222-4997. That's 855-222-4997. Again, Augusta Precious Metals at 855-222-4997. So let's talk about this new bill signed by Governor J.B. Pritzker in Illinois on Tuesday. Lawsuits against the state can only be filed in two counties. Under this uh, new law filed by Governor J.B. Pritzker, and and I, I think there's no no doubt that this is a political response designed to chill the rights, uh, particularly of downstate and more conservative Illinois residents. Uh, the Democrats who dominate the Illinois legislature decided they don't like the fact that downstate judges have put the kibosh on some of their gun control plans. Uh, have uh, ruled against their uh, COVID restrictions. And so they've decided, you know what, we're not going to let these judges hear these cases. Under the bill, signing the law by Pritzker on Tuesday, uh, which was passed, by the way, along party lines last month, um, lawsuits challenging laws on the uh, on constitutional grounds in Illinois can only be filed in two counties, Cook County, Chicago, in Sangamon County, which is the uh, state capital of Springfield. Supposedly, the reason that this was done was to uh, save the attorney general's office some time and money so that they wouldn't have to send staff, you know, down to Effingham County and all these places so far away, right? Oh, it's just such a time commitment. It's such a hassle. Uh, we got we to gotta, we gotta do something to help out to Kwame Raul here. Uh, yeah, this is the Chicago Tribune supporters say the measure will conserve resources for the attorney general's office, which represents the state and court. Sangamon County is home to the state capital, Springfield, while Chicago and Cook County is a second base for state government. Um, now, Democrats 
Also, according to the Chicago Tribune, some of them did let the mask slip. They said it was necessary to prevent people with a grievance against the state from selecting the county in which to file a lawsuit based on where they think they can get a favorable ruling. So they say this is about uh, trying to cut down on jury shopping or judge shopping. It's not. It's actually the opposite. It's the state stacking the deck in its favor by saying, listen, you can only file these lawsuits in these particular counties. Now, the sponsor of this bill says, well, I, look, Sangamon County uh, dominated by Republican uh, judges right now. Right now. Sangamon County uh, has traditionally been a fairly conservative place, at least compared to the rest of uh, upstate Illinois. Uh, but that's changing. Sangamon County is actually represented by a Democrat in the state legislature now. And so there's no guarantee that uh, the Republican majority of judges in the uh, circuit or the county courts got to remain uh, in place, uh, unfortunately. And I think that the Democrats are taking a, a longer view here in limiting these lawsuits uh, to these particular counties. As the Chicago Tribune says, uh, since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, lawsuits have been filed in multiple counties challenging Prisker's executive orders related to the pandemic, as well as recently enacted state laws abolishing cash bail and banning certain high-powered semi-automatic firearms and quote-unquote high-capacity ammunition magazines. Uh, Jay Hoffman said last month, Democrat uh, state senator, said one attorney was charging people $200 to have their names added as plaintiffs to a gun ban lawsuit, uh, referencing the uh, lawsuits filed by uh, Thomas DeVore. The Tribune reports Republicans called the measure a power grab by the Democratic majority. Senate Republican leader John Curran of Downers Grove said in a statement on Tuesday that it is, quote, clearly an attempt by the governor and the attorney general to send constitutional challenges to courts that they believe will be more favorable to the administration. And I think that that's absolutely right. I, in fact, again, I, I think that they've kind of let the mask slip here and say, well, we're, we're trying to prevent, uh, you know, judge shopping <laughs> by confining these challenges. So, again, if you live in downstate Illinois, you know, again, the, the, the burden is now on you, right? That supposedly this is about uh, saving the attorney general time and expense, but at the expense of Illinois residents, who, again, they'll now be the ones forced to travel hours, in some cases, simply to uh, try to protect and preserve their constitutional rights. Uh, State Representative Dan Calkins, who's also uh, sued the state over the uh, new gun laws in Illinois, said they pass unconstitutional laws to make law-abiding citizens criminals, and then they make those same citizens travel hundreds of miles to a kangaroo court that they control. Tyrants are always the same, whether kings or lawless Chicago politicians. And again, as I said, I mean, this really does smack of the Intolerable Acts. If you know your uh, U.S. history, you know that the Intolerable Acts were passed by Parliament in response to the Boston Tea Party. There were four measures. Uh, one of them shut down the port of Boston until uh, uh, the uh, people of Boston made amends for the uh, Tea Party. But there was also something called the Massachusetts Government Act, which took away the uh, Royal Charter the Massachusetts colony, brought it under control of the British government, uh, suspended the legislature there in Massachusetts. There was something called the Administration of Justice Act that uh, allowed the royal governor of Massachusetts to order trials of accused royal officials to take place in Great Britain rather than in Boston. That, 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 that boy, though, boy, that seems a lot like what we're seeing here now, right? Again, putting your thumb on the scale, uh, in terms of where these trials can be held or where these challenges can be brought in an attempt, again, to stack the deck in your favor. Um, I, I, again, I, I don't 
see how on earth this can stand, constitutionally speaking, uh, to deprive Illinois residents of their ability to file constitutional challenges in their home court. Again, the attorney general is a state official. He doesn't operate only in Cook County and Sangamon County. The attorney general oversees all of the state of Illinois, right? This is a statewide office. So for the lawmakers to say, well, listen, we're just trying to do him a favor, trying to save taxpayers a little bit of money by, uh, you know, requiring that these lawsuits be filed in these particular courts so that, you know, where the staff's already in place, they don't have to make these long commutes. Again, at that point, you were putting a state official above the people that he is supposed to represent. And I hope that uh, this lawsuit or that this new law is soon going to face a, a new lawsuit. Senator Jason Plummer, another Republican uh, lawmaker in Illinois, said, uh, it's time you start showing some respect to the people of Illinois. Quit limiting their rights. Quit taking their rights away. And frankly, when you take their rights away, at least give them the decency and respect to allow their concerns about their rights being taken away to be heard in a local courthouse. Uh, another, uh, uh, excuse me, the uh, sponsor of this bill, Senator Harmon, said, well, they all eventually end up in the Illinois Supreme Court, which, by the way, is in Sangamon County and Cook County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, every federal case that gets filed against the gun control law ends up, at least theoretically, before the Supreme Court. Now, the cases aren't always heard. We understand that. And again, if you're making that commitment to file a lawsuit, you understand that at some point, yes, your attorneys and maybe yourself going to have to go to the Supreme Court, hopefully state Supreme Court building, and, and have a chance to be heard. That's fine. But again, why do these county courts exist? According to the lawmakers in the state of Illinois, they exist for criminal cases. They exist for civil cases. They exist for every case other than a constitutional challenge to a law passed in Illinois. And then that's not what these courthouses are for. Uh, and if you want to challenge the uh, uh, gun ban or magazine ban or the next gun control law to be signed by Governor J.B. Pritzker, again, you're going to have to pack up. You're going to have to drive however long it takes to get to uh, Springfield or to get to Chicago. And you got to file your lawsuit there. And then you got to show up again for every hearing there. Uh, another representative, uh, uh, Republican representative from downstate, Representative uh, Patrick Windhorn, or Windhorse, excuse me, said, you know, where I live, I'm closer to the state capital of Tennessee than I am Illinois. And I'm almost as close to Atlanta, Georgia, as I am Chicago, Illinois. So to say if this body passes an un unconstitutional law, in order for me or another person in my community to contest that law, I've got to travel a great distance and bear that expense that comes with it. It is not fair to the individuals in these communities. He's absolutely right. It is not fair. It is not just. And I don't think it's legal. So I, uh, uh, we're going to keep a close eye on this intolerable act by Illinois Democrats, uh, including Governor J.B. Pritzker, because I, I don't see any way that this can stand. This really is a flagrant attempt to chill the rights of Illinois residents to challenge unconstitutional measures in court. And uh, I think that by itself is a violation. Of their rights. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will uh, start there. The case at a Quad City, uh, Iowa, or the Quad Cities area, anyway, man on probation for drug and weapons convictions, 
arrested on Sunday for drug and weapons charges. Yeah. Not a uh, not a good weekend for this uh, 21-year-old uh, Jamarlin Stewart, now charged in Rock Island County Circuit Court with uh, three counts of felon in possession of a firearm, as well as one count of manufacturing delivery of cannabis. Uh, each of the weapons charges a Class three felony under Illinois law that carries a prison sentence of two to five years. Now, again, keep in mind, this this gentleman is from uh, Illinois, even though he's in the you know Quad City area, which does include a couple of Iowa cities. So all of the, you know, vaunted gun control laws in place in Illinois didn't stop uh, Mr. Stewart from allegedly illegally possessing a firearm and ammunition as a prohibited person. Uh, According to a news release issued by the uh, Moline, Illinois police on Tuesday, it was uh, late Sunday night. Moline police officer uh, conducted a traffic stop. The driver of the vehicle, identified as a Jamarlin Stewart, found to have alcohol and cannabis inside the car during a search of the vehicle. Officer seized about a half pound of pot, as well as ammunition for a firearm. They then obtained a search warrant for Stewart's home, where they seized a rifle, a handgun, and nearly three pounds of cannabis. Um, back in February of last year, in Rock Island Circuit Court, Stewart pleaded guilty to one count of attempted possession of a stolen firearm, as well as manufacturing delivery of cannabis, three to thirty to five hundred grams. Stewart was sentenced to two years probation. For that offense. First offender. Okay. Possession of stolen firearm. I think that may be worthy of a little bit of jail time, but okay, whatever. So he's on probation. As of February of last year. August of last year, while he's on probation, Stewart is arrested again by Moline police on charges of possession of a stolen firearm as well as felon in possession of a firearm. That case has yet to go to trial. In fact, there's a pretrial conference scheduled for tomorrow in that case. But after he was arrested, prosecutors filed a petition to revoke his probation. That was last August. A hearing in that case uh, is scheduled for tomorrow. So it's now June. And a hearing to revoke his probation that was filed last year has yet to take place. I mean, come on now. Uh, federal authorities, according to the uh, local uh, news there in Moline, Iowa, say that uh, they could take over the drug and weapons charges and prosecute Stewart under the Project Safe Neighborhoods program, uh, which is a Justice Department initiative that uh, tends to focus, or is supposed to focus, on the most violent and prolific offenders. Now, in this case, Stewart isn't accused of any violent crime. He's accused of possessory offenses, including being a felon in possession of a firearm. Uh, But the underlying offense, the underlying felony offense, a nonviolent offense as well, right? Uh, Drug possession. Um, According to the uh, local media, Stewart uh, could also be charged with possession of a firearm in furtherance of a drug crime, uh, a conviction which would require a mandatory minimum sentence of five years in prison. Uh, Again, that would be a federal charge. Now, I got to say... you know, I've spoken before about, in fact, we had a, a story just the other day about uh, the use of unlawful user of a drug uh, while owning a firearm charge that the DOJ is bringing, not against Hunter Biden, but against uh, other individuals. Uh, looks like that would be the charge that this guy's facing. I, I personally think that our federal drug laws are incredibly screwed up. I think that uh, cannabis, which has already been legalized in, what, 19 or 20 states, uh, really should be removed from Schedule 1, uh, at the very least, at the federal level. 
Uh, and the courts, at least a couple of judges around the country have said, look, that prohibition on uh, gun ownership for marijuana users, uh, that's not constitutional. But that neither of those rulings have been uh, precedential in nature. So the federal law still applies. State law still applies for uh, Jemmerlyn Stewart. And again, I just can't figure out why the wheels of justice are grinding so slowly in Illinois that a guy who was picked up, charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm, is still out on probation almost a year later. And a probation, a hearing to revoke his probation has yet to be held almost a year later. You know, again, this is taking place in county courts, places where you can still bring these types of cases, right? This isn't a constitutional challenge. This is a criminal case. So what's going on here in Illinois where legal gun owners are in jeopardy, told if you don't register your guns with the state, told if you keep a hold of your uh, quote-unquote large capacity magazine, oh, we could charge you with a felony crime. Meanwhile, if you're a, a convicted felon caught in possession of a firearm, Nothing seems to happen. The consequences, at least going on, you know, nine or ten months later, absolutely nothing to show for it. Now, today's Armed Citizen story, also from Illinois, by the way. I I didn't intend for today's show to be so Illinois-centric, both with our uh, main topic of conversation, our recidivist report, and our Armed Citizen story. But sometimes that's the way it works out. Uh, A woman shot after hitting an employee with a gun inside a store in Alton, Illinois. That's the uh, headline. Uh, The story itself, I got to say, is a little odd. So apparently this woman goes to a -a rent-a-center in uh, Alton, Illinois, uh, Tuesday morning, about 10 o'clock. Planning on confronting a a relative who worked there. According to the police chief in uh, Alton, Uh, There was an active order of protection prohibiting this individual from having any contact with a relative, uh, as well as from showing up at that store. But again, an order of protection is a piece of paper. It is not a suit of armor. If somebody chooses to violate that order of protection, they can do so. And the consequences will be felt, if there are any consequences, after the fact. So this individual who's not supposed to be at the store, not supposed to have any contact with a relative, goes to the store, confronts her relative, an argument ensues that turns into a physical fight. During that fight, the woman who is not supposed to be there ends up hitting her relative in the head with a gun. That's when another employee of the Renna Center, who was armed, drew their own firearm and shot to defend the co-worker, uh, striking the woman three times. After she was shot, she got into a car and drove off. She was found injured inside a vehicle uh, not too far away, taken to a local hospital, later flown to a uh, hospital in St. Louis for treatment. According to uh, the Alton police chief, uh, the person who was hit in the head with the gun, the victim in this case, suffered a serious head injury, is also being treated at a local hospital. The uh, employee of Renna Center, who acted in defense of their co-worker, not facing any charges, but uh, no word on their continued or no word on the status, I should say, of their employment. Uh, Will they be fired for having a gun on the job? I don't think they should be. I think they should be commended. They very well could have saved a life. They certainly stopped a violent attack uh, and did far more, by the way, than that piece of paper. Right? But uh, we will try to follow up the story, bring any details uh, as they become available 
And uh, hopefully, again, this armed citizen in Alton, Illinois, doesn't lose their job for saving a life. Speaking of saving lives, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, let's get to today's good deed of the day. Loveland, Colorado. All right, so we're, we're breaking our theme here. I guess we could pretend that Loveland is actually in Illinois. But uh, nah, Loveland, Colorado. A, a Loveland teenager saving a man's life in McDonald's just eight days after he became a certified EMT. And there you go. That's the uh, teen in question uh, who, again, was in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing, William Berglund. And it was uh, late last month, about 1030 on a Wednesday night. Uh, William Berglund had headed out to McDonald's with a uh, friend, just wanted to get something to eat. Um, He was in the dining room when a man ran out of the men's restroom saying that somebody had collapsed and was unconscious in a stall. And Berglund stood up and said, uh, I'm an an EMT. I'm going to go check it out. Call 911. So he looked over the top of the lock stall, saw drug paraphernalia inside, went to work. He said there was a dude lying on the ground, and he was turning purple at that moment. Berglund had to climb over the top of the stall to unlock the door. He then put on some gloves, kicked away uh, something that the victim had in his hand. He said, I pulled him over to the door. I opened his airway. I noticed he wasn't breathing, that he had pinpoint pupils. Uh, The man who originally found the victim told Berglund that he had Narcan in his car. Berglund said, well, go get it. He said, this is a a good scenario where you should use Narcan. So he went and grabbed it. I administered it. They put 911 to my ear, and the dispatcher said, start CPR. And uh, Berglund then performed CPR until Loveland police arrived. Then he let one of the officers take over. He said, I turned around, I looked back, and he was upright. And the uh, patient who was on the ground. Berglund uh, recently graduated, I think this past weekend, from high school. Uh, He remained on the scene as the Thompson Valley Emergency Services and the Loveland Fire Rescue Authority crew arrived to take control of the scene. Uh, Captain Jason Tegman of the Thompson Valley EMS, one of the first responders there, he says there's no doubt the Berglund saved a man's life. He said he did what his training taught him to do. It's what we ask for in this business. And uh, Berglund honored at his school, school resource officer uh, Louis Castellanos of the Loveland Police Department uh, and school administrators giving him a, a challenge coin. Loveland PD right on a Facebook post following the uh, presentation. There's no doubt that the male likely would not have survived had William not stepped up and offered his help. As William prepares for his high school graduation, we want to thank him for his quick thinking and his ability to stay calm in a chaotic situation. Uh, William Berglund received his EMT certification uh, last month. I think it was like May 9th after completing a uh, training program at uh, Community College that had taken him through a uh, partnership with the uh, local school district. And now he wants to actually become a full-time EMT, either with a local emergency services agency or a local fire department. He said that uh, this experience reinforced his desire to help others. So again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing for a stranger who I hope takes advantage of the life-saving actions of William Berglund. We thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Again, we've got a lot of stuff going on around the country, so I would encourage you to check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. Yesterday, we had breaking news out of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, where a uh, panel, on bank panel, 11-4 was the decision, ruled that a, uh, a gentleman out of Pennsylvania, who almost 30 years ago pleaded guilty to a nonviolent misdemeanor charge of uh, basically underreporting his income on a food stamp application, uh, was deprived of his ability to own firearms forevermore. Uh, because in Pennsylvania at the time, that charge carried with it, even though it was a misdemeanor, a five-year prison sentence. 
And under federal law, anything that is punishable by more than a year in prison is a absolute disqualifier for you to own firearms. Uh, so this case, Range versus Garland, Third Circuit decided again uh, yesterday afternoon. This was one of the stories we covered at Bearing Arms as it was breaking that uh, the plaintiff in this case still has a Second Amendment rights intact, that he is a part of the people whose right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And that uh, misdemeanor conviction, not enough to deprive him permanently of his right to keep and bear arms. That's a big case. And we have a lot of other big cases percolating around the country, including a Fourth Circuit case dealing with uh, Maryland's ban on so-called assault weapons. We have no idea when the Fourth Circuit's going to hand that decision down, but it could be any day. We're still looking in California at uh, multiple major decisions that are awaiting action by U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez. And then, of course, we've got uh, trials, uh, well, a trial underway in Oregon against Measure 114. Uh, and unfortunately, you've got gun control activists and uh, legislators still at work in state houses around the country. So, again, there's a lot to keep track of. Uh, and you can find it all at BarryAndArms.com. Certainly do appreciate you being there. I would also appreciate you becoming a VIP member if you are so inclined to help support the independent pro segment journalism that we're doing at Bearing Arms. Just go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As Ari was saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. New stories and analysis that matter because your support matters. And we thank you very much for it. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.